Hello everyone, this episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast is brought to you by how terrible Benelin is. I'm one of your hosts, Nolan Dean, and we have another host, Morgan Robinson, as always, and today we're talking about the best version of Sherlock Holmes to date. Morgan, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing a hell of a lot better than you are. Um, I want anyone listening to this right now to just simply applaud Nolan for coming on when his voice sounds like that. I, I, and now some dogs just started yelling outside my flat. Fantastic. That is perfectly acceptable for the movie we're talking about, Nolan. What did you pick for this week? By the way, actually, before we get into that, Nolan, how was your Christmas? Um, well, clearly I was yelling too much. (laughs) You got too intense at the game of charades after dinner, didn't you? Yes, I may have belted out one too many Mariah Carey's. From sick karaoke. Yeah. You you were clearly playing charades wrong because you're not even supposed to speak. I know. Um, The game of Monopoly went really well. Where you just decided to destroy the board because I hate Monopoly. Yourself. You just bankrupted yourself within the first sort of half an hour. Look, I'm quite and a big board game fan, but even I can't defend how boring Monopoly is. See, this is where I this is where we differ because I really enjoy it, but I can't play it because I'm not ruthless enough. It's it, it's hard. I have loads of monopolies. I have like yeah, I have like five different monopolies. If I'm gonna play a board game, why not just sit down to a good game of chess? Or it's a it's a fair point. Did you have a Christmas game of chess? Not only a Christmas game of chess. Oh. It's a wizard chess set. <gasps> Perf. Do they move? Do they move on their own? I wish, but it's like from the early 2000s. I used to be the coolest kid in class for bringing this in when I was in primary school. I I would, yeah, I believe that. I believe that entirely. But Nolan, we're not talking about, we're not even talking about any holiday-related films today. That was last week in our super long, really fun holiday special that you should all go and listen to if you haven't. Um, Where we covered two versions of A Christmas Carol but this week we're we're not doing that at all. We're staying in Britain for the movie. And keeping with the but, board game theme, if you enjoy some Cluedo, <laughs> you'll like Hound of the Baskervilles. I I ima- I imagine you would. Nolan, you obviously picked this one. You picked the nineteen thirty nine Basil Rathbone one because it's uh, the best version. Is that is that the simple reason why you picked that one? Well, I think it's been a running gag on this show that I say Basil Rathbone's the best Sherlock Holmes. I mean, whenever Basil Rathbone turns up, and I believe this is Basil Rathbone's third appearance on uh, on the show, you always do bring up that he is the best Sherlock Holmes, and now you get to prove why. So why don't you start off the episode by proving why Rathbone over my preferred Peter Cushing? Well, let me tell you a story about... A young man named Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Go ahead. One of the most influential writers, possibly of all time. Because how many mystery stories have you read that could basically be Sherlock fan fiction? 
you have the quirky detective with his partner solving a murder that no one can solve, and then there's this big convoluted fun way of figuring it out, but then you rewatch it and you think, oh, now I see that clue, now I see that clue, now I see this clue. You know, we're sort of wired to love mystery stories that way, and I think Sherlock Holmes is a big part of that. Him and uh, Poirot, although I don't know if Sherlock Holmes came before Poirot. Um, yes, because Holmes is like Victorian, isn't he? Yeah. And I think Poirot's more early 20th century, but I'm not so familiar with, or at least I think Poirot's origins lie. Yeah, because Agatha Christie's was Poirot, and Agatha Christie is a lot younger, or Agatha Christie is more recent than, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, so yes, I think Poirot came after. And there are three quintessential British literature characters, I think, of the Holy Trifecta. The Holy Trifecta of British li- uh, uh, literature. literature. It's, not, um, it's not Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman. No, it's... Um, it's it's not this... Jesus, God and the Holy Spirit. No, for for this no. I believe the most popular characters in British literature are Sherlock Holmes, Harry Potter, and James Bond. You'd struggle to argue that it was anyone else. You'd you and you'd struggle to argue that one of those shouldn't make it. Even if that. you don't like those particular stories, you know who those characters are. Although, does Ebenezer Scrooge? get a uh i'd say he's probably number five. Oh, you oh you, oh who's four robin hood yeah but yeah but is robin hood even literature wasn't it based i suppose of yeah i mean i suppose well it's suppose it, it, it's legend really that i guess was written down oh, so. it's, it's folklore in it yeah um hmm Scroo- scrooge would be up there though scrooge would be up there just calling it back again to last week um but yeah sherlock holmes i mean nobody doesn't know who sherlock holmes is yeah um, every even, mystery crime writer out there has at least read or heard of sherlock holmes even though they say they they're have. not ripping him off in their stories that quirky detective is totally not based off sherlock holmes i'm looking at you dirk gently <laughs> Dirk, oh, I, yeah. Dirk Gently was the Netflix thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, the Dirk Gently books are by Douglas Adams are pretty cool, but they're just, they're like way too ridiculous for my taste. But everything boils down to basically being um, copies of Holmes and Watson. That's what you're saying. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know what? If... Um, if we were to do a... Because Sherlock Holmes is in the public domain, so anyone could potentially make a movie about him. True. I reckon you'd be you'd be my Watson. I I mean, I wouldn't be Holmes. I'm not clever no, enough. It's because you're the sensible one that like calms <laughs> me down. <laughs> I have been known to calm people down in the you, past. You know, like me true. going on um, random tirades about story meaning and stuff, that's me Sherlocking, and you're my John Watson just being like, okay, Nolan, yeah. Yeah, but I, I also you're... go on weird tangents about like, nonsense that doesn't even relate to usually what we're talking about. But you also have a blog and so does John Watson. 
Well, he kind of he, that, not in the original. That's stories. not been that's not been active for a long while. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Don't don't bring that up. But, uh, Sherlock um, Holmes has always been one of my favorite characters. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to see why. It's easy to see why because he is so. He is like surprisingly fun for the thought of a Victorian detective. Mm-hmm. He is surprisingly very, very uh, light-hearted in his own way. Because, yeah. yeah, okay, he's serious, he's solving murders, but, I mean, there's one scene in particular in this film where this is just Sherlock being a bit silly right now, and I'm all about this. I feel like I know which part you're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you do. Um, um, so, but I'm not sure if um, because I know you're not a fan of the BBC series Sherlock. I mean, I've watched like two episodes of it. I, I'm not a fan of modern retellings in general. I think something should be told in its own time. Are you a fan of the uh, RDJ Sherlock's? I've never seen them. Are you a fan of Sherlock gnomes? I've never seen that. Would you be interested I've, I've, in watching uh, Young Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes from the 80s? Young Sherlock Holmes. It's That movie's surprisingly fun. What is it? Who stars in Young Sherlock Holmes? Anyone of note? I think it was like a bunch of unknown actors at the time. Okay. But it's no. got like a really Spielbergian feel to it. Well, it, it was the 1980s, so of course it did. Uh, was it? Wasn't it? Was it not just Stranger Things, but without um, demogorgons? It was instead just murderers, yeah, or, and or criminals. And when you think of um, Sherlock Holmes stories, I think Hand of the Baskervilles is probably the first one. You think it's easily the most iconic. It is. Is is it your favorite? It's not my favorite, but it's a very notable one in my book. For me, I need any story that has Moriarty in it because I just love that relationship. Okay, fair enough. Like the fair relationship enough. with people say Batman and the Joker are a great hero villain relationship. Sherlock and Moriarty, like to me, is that but taken up to another level. Moriarty or Sherlock is kind of what I would want the Riddler to be in a movie, not Jim Carrey and tights. <laughs> what? <laughs> No, not Jim Carrey in, in tights at all. That's a good point, though. I like that. I like how Moriarty would be like the Riddler. Mm. Everything's very th- well thought out yes. all the time. Mm. And uh, But Moriarty's not even in Hand of the Baskervilles. No, he isn't. No, Which he Which some people would be surprised not. at, because you'd think with him being Sherlock Holmes's archenemy that he'd be in a lot of stories, but I think he's only in, like, one or two in the original ones. I think it show it, then it clearly shows how much of a, an impact he had in those two particular uh, stories, or mm-hmm. however many there were. I I am not an expert, um, but yeah, Hound of the Baskervilles is the more sort of it's the first Holmes story that you think of when you hear Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes, oh yeah, Hound of the Baskervilles. I know that. And it's been told in so many different ways, but it's always boiling down to the one thing. Sir Henry has found a giant hound in where he lives. He has. The hound has murdered somebody. It has. 
and then it all turns out just to be a hoax for someone else who is the murderer. Yep. It's been told in a lot of different ways, though. Look, it's a... It's a relatively simple mystery. It's a very fun... It's a very sort of... Not necessarily fun, but it's very engaging to watch. Because it's not overly complex. It's not. It doesn't want to be overly complex. The best scenes in this particular movie uh you know uh, towards the end when Sherlock is sort of hmm okay when he really starts to think when he really starts to put stuff together it's like in any good Scooby-Doo episode when they really start to put stuff together at the end mm-hmm. it's everybody's favorite scene that's also a big thing onto why I love the Sherlock Holmes character is that I've always taken him as someone who he doesn't really care about the people involved in a case. Not at all. He, he cares, cares about, about being right. It. He cares about the method. He doesn't care. He he does it for his own purpose. He doesn't do it to help people. He does he, he does it to like he does it cuz he wants to feel successful in himself. I firmly believe that if Sherlock Holmes if there was like a a story with Sherlock Holmes and Adolf Hitler <laughs> and Adolf Hitler was cle- was not guilty in the story. Sherlock would be going out of his way to prove that, and just the thought of that makes me laugh. That's admittedly that's terrifying, but <laughs> that, that's yeah, Sherlock's I such get a your big idea. Egomaniac, though. Yeah, and that's exactly that's exactly what it is. I think it's why um, Cumberbatch makes it a decent. Uh, actor for Sherlock because of course he also plays like Doctor Strange Massive who is also very egomaniac maybe maybe Cumberbatch himself is who knows I don't know the man personally Doctor Strange I think is way less likable than Sherlock though he's that's kind of just a, he's kind of just a bell end that's tr- yes he is <laughs> yeah that yeah he, he is he, he's not yeah that's all I've got to say. Sherlock has fun, and um, Basil Rathbone, your favourite Sherlock, does have. He, he's 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 constantly got a charm. He in does, this, but in he this never movie, like he never overdoes it. He doesn't go no. to the point of being like campy or ridiculous. No, and I mean, okay, we're we're bringing up the word campy. My favourite. Sherlock Holmes is Peter Cushing. I'm um, guessing his take is quite campy. It's well, it was Hammer. It was Hammer Studios from the good people that brought you Christopher Lee as Dracula, bring you Christopher Lee as Henry Baskerville. Christopher and, Lee would have been a great choice for Moriarty, I think. Well, he played Henry Baskerville instead. He may have—I don't know—he may have played Moriarty at some point. That seems um, like a role that would be made for Christopher Lee. But Peter Cushing was Sherlock Holmes. Hound of the Baskerville. That Hound of the Baskervilles was 1960. So um, we could still talk about it, theoretically. We could, at some point. But we're not talking about it today. We're talking about 1939. And what I think this does, what I think this one does really well, and better than the, the one I'm familiar with, the 1961 is that you get a feel of how grim Dartmoor is. It's way more eerie, isn't it? 
Yeah. Just the, the I mean, opening of Baskerville alone with like the shadows and the fog. It's it, it feels like a theater set. Yeah. I mean, in Hammer films obviously you everything's quite bright and yeah, sure it's it's eerie because there's enough smoke effects and enough weird looking things to make it that way, but you don't have the mood of just bleak, grim, awful isolation that you do in this version. And again, the black and white really helps, as it often does, but it's clearly, you know, emphasised by certain things that are going on as well in the production design and whatever it may be to just emphasise this sort of, really, this is in the middle of nowhere, there is this supernatural hound going around murdering people, and please be terrified. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And something that remains consistent in every um, version of the story I've seen, they've done sort of variations of it, but the hound is always just a regular dog. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing overly special. It's not like Sirius Black in Prisoner of Azkaban, where he is a particularly nasty-looking dog. Yeah. Um, this just this is a hound. Yeah, okay, it's violent. It, it kills. But, yeah. It's all about the locale of, yeah. in this one. And uh, in the most recent retelling I remember of this story... Um, the fog was like some kind of hallucinogen that made it look like the hound. That's nice. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's in the that's in the Cumberbatch Sherlock when they did Hound of the Baskervilles. Oh, see, I might like that. I should maybe watch that one. That, I like that. No, I I like that a lot. That bringing it back to Batman. That reminds me of Scarecrow. Yeah. Um, who would choose hallucinogenic um Sir Henry gas. Baskerville in that's not like a big rich guy like he is in this one. He's just some like he's a guy you'd expect to run into at a construction site. Oh see that ruins it though. He's supposed go to an old manor. And I'm pretty an sure Baskerville is like home. a B and B or something. No, see that's where it ruins it. This is supposed to be a weird, old, stately home in Dartmoor. Why are you making it into a bed and breakfast? For God's sake. Again, this is what I, re- this is what I really liked about, about this particular version, is that it really felt very of its time. And that's, obviously that's what I love about this sort of, these sort of things, but it really adds a, it adds a charm to the to the film itself anyway as well as adding all this sort of all the grimness it adds um and the sort of not like not sophistication in terms of uh, this movie can't be watched by everyone but a sophistication into these characters are supposed to be kind of hoity-toity to a point they're supposed to be kind of upper class and formal which just it, it, it just works better that way in stories like this 
I don't know. It it does, and I do prefer that in this one mostly because, like, you know, Dartmoor the manor feels kind of like a character in itself. Oh, absolutely, it is. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if you'd ever want to go to to Dartmoor. Dartmoor's in like Devon. I don't know. I have like um, a, I have a real I have a weird maybe it's my writer brain, but I have a weird thing for like creepy deserted towns where hauntings might have happened. Well, that's what, yeah, I mean it's just you know, moors themselves are creepy because they are just f- basically hills of land where there is no light and no nothing and at night uh, it reminds me of an American werewolf in London where they are walking through the Yorkshire moors and that's where they get bitten by the wolf. Uh, moors are not nice places. No, I used don't. to get in trouble for... I, when I was a kid, I lived near a forest and it was sort of a moor kind of thing and I used to get in trouble for going in there at night, but I was so curious about it. Going there during the day or going there with somebody else? I don't went go in by myself with a, with a torch. Yeah, see, that's dangerous. <laughs> But curiosity, and there's n- there's nothing wrong with curiosity. Um, I'm sure it inspired you plenty to ra- to uh, whether it's in writing or whatever it may be. But yeah, it can definitely help to uh, creep you out a bit, especially if you're going at night in the middle of nowhere with no light other than a torch. I do, a flashlight. I do have my own little detective series, but I think we'll talk about that maybe at the end of the episode so I don't get oh, off. Oh, I see, I see. No, yeah, of course we can. Of course we can. But um, the thing, I do say I think Basil Rathbone's the best Sherlock, but really what I mean is he's just my favourite. The, the role of Sherlock, I think, is it's sort of like theatre. It's kind of like, is it, even if it's more like movies, it's kind of like James Bond in a way. Or even yeah. Batman, no one owns the role. Each actor can sort of bring their own take to it. You'll be you'll be getting some uh, getting some hate from anybody who may listen to that. People people have strong opinions on who holds the role of James Bond but who, and Batman. But who holds the role is just their favourites. I've met people That's who's Who's they're, they're adamant that their favourite Bond is Pierce Brosnan, whereas for me it's like, not nah, Sean Connery. Yeah. but Fortunately, it, I am the same as you. But uh, when you think about it, it's kind of like theatre. No one really owns a role. They each bring their own take to it. And I like that Basil Rathbone, he kind of represents the 30s, still a bit of an upper-class douche kind of guy, but has that charm to him. Yeah. Which is weird, because the other movies we've seen him in, he's played a villain. <laughs> oh, Basil Rathbone, yeah. Basil Rathbone is a uh, he's a tall guy. He's a quite an intimidating presence, um, which especially when you're sort of comparing that to other versions of Sherlock that you know, whether it's whether it is Peter Cushing, whether it's Cumberbatch, whether it's Robert Downey Jr. Something in Not- common with a lot of Sherlock actors is that they've all played villains at some point. Oh, definitely. Definitely they can all play villains, but I don't think any are as quite as sort of naturally intimidating as Basil Rathbone. Because he, he, Basil Rathbone looks like Christopher Lee. <laughs> kind of. And Christopher Lee was terrifying. 
And yeah, he has played villains in the two previous movies we have talked about with him in. Um, but in in this, it was kind of nice to see him. Not only, I mean, for, is Sherlock a hero? Not in a traditional sense. He's a protagonist. Um, I do think he has. I think he's good deep down, but he just doesn't. Good, he, he doesn't yeah. like to admit it. He's good deep down, but I mean, it's not. To bring it back to previous Basil Rathbone films, it's not like Basil Rathbone was Errol Flynn. Fair point. In 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 this movie, he he's not. Hooray! I have won the day. This is me, me, me. I'm the hero. It's not like that. It's he's just not, like yeah. He cares I've about done being it. right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's what I do. Bye. Next one. As, as what I think is interesting about the character of Sherlock in every version. He's usually defined not by what he does himself, but by the supporting characters around him, how he treats them and such, like his relationship uh, yeah. with Watson, how he treats yeah. his um oh, fuck, I keep forgetting her name. Oh, oh the her his um his landlady. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know her name either. <laughs> Mrs. Hudson. Mrs. Hudson. Mrs. Hudson, there you go. We're not very good on, on Sherlock Holmes, I do apologize everyone. Um, <laughs> and there's always a the running joke is like I'm your landlady, I'm not your housekeeper. It's very true though. He Sherlock needs to stop expecting this woman to do things. Yeah, damn, he... do it for yourself, Sherlock. God damn it! <laughs> but you uh, no, you brought up Watson, and before I forget, moustache hall of fame. Hall of Fame of Mustaches, Mustache, 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 Mustache Hall of Fame. That's my new jingle for the Mustache Hall of Fame. We still don't have one, so I just keep having to do that whenever one comes up. Nigel Bruce, as Dr. John Watson, goes straight into the Mustache Hall of Fame without question. Oh, God, yes. John Watson has always had a mustache. The Sherlock series even jokes about it. That he doesn't have a mustache for a while. <laughs> well, this particular mustache, Nigel Bruce. Yeah, congratulations, Nigel. Congratulations, John Watson in general. You are in the Mustache Hall of Fame, and forever will you stand against um, Errol Flynn and Vincent Price and whoever else is in the. Uh, is in there as now. I still, I've still not created a, an entire list, for some reason. Um, I will need to do that very soon. Otherwise, I am likely to forget who is in the Mustache Hall of Fame, and no one wants that. Mm -hmm. New additions, yay! Back to our regu regularly scheduled program. <laughs> and uh, the thing Watson, I think, needs to be great is that even though him and Sherlock bicker a lot and get in fights a lot, you have to buy that they are friends. Otherwise, the yeah. whole relationship does not work. I think you also have to buy that Sherlock thinks he is way better than Watson. Oh, definitely. They need to sure. have good chemistry for it to work. He, he looks down on Watson so much. <laughs> Everything is just like, yes, John, come uh, on now. I figured this out ten minutes ago. None more sort of stupidly 
so is that the case then in the scene i mentioned briefly earlier in how do the baskervilles where sherlock decides to dress up as an old man <laughs> is that the scene you were talking about yeah that's the scene i, I was talking it. about and he shows and up at the manor he shows he just he shows up he's not been there yet he, sh- he shows up watson's gone watson's wa- walking around the moor and this old man comes and for some reason watson basically watson tells him that his name is sherlock holmes and then the disguise comes off and sherlock just starts laughing and i feel so bad for watson all the time because he just seems like he's the loyal guy like even though his 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 friend is very me 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 he's very egocentric um watson's always still there so i just really appreciate that um even even though sherlock is kind of mean to him sometimes and plays tricks on him like this i just realized if uh, if were to be the sherlock and watson i can't be sherlock because i'm not egotistical well i mean neither am i so it's not really fun, Well, is we're going to cast a new Sherlock for you. Raul is going to be your Ooh, Sherlock. Oh, that's harsh. Raul, notice I didn't say that. That wasn't me, right? Okay. Hey, Raul, you get to play the lead role. Go after Nolan. Wasn't me. I'll, I'll, just, be, I'll just be the Moriarty and I'll constantly get in fights with Raul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would pay good money to see that fight. Hey, if you see me slick back this hair and put on a suit, I'll look like Moriarty. I mean, you wouldn't not look like Moriarty, to be fair. To be fair to you, I would, I would take yeah. But going back to what I was said, like, I I really appreciate that about Watson, but also like the opposite. I appreciate the fact that Sherlock Holmes can have a bit of fun with That's himself. Yeah, it's what if he if he didn't have this sort of bit of quirkiness to him, a bit of I I kind of just want to be a bit. Yes, I'm the biggest man in the room, but I'm also going to have fun with it. I'm not a a stick in the mud. I'm not stuck up really. Unlike, and I'm sorry to say this, that's how I feel about Poirot. Poirot, yeah, Poirot doesn't joke. Poirot would be in the Mustache Hall of Fame, for sure. He would, but I, when you compare him to Sherlock, I just find him kind of a boring character. Yeah, I mean, he's much more hes much more serious. I don't read he's... Poirot novels for the character of Poirot, I read them for the mystery. Yeah, and I mean, I think the, I think the mystery in something like Murder on the Orient Express is more i think the actual mystery is more interesting than something like hound of the baskervilles because hound of the baskervilles is really just a simple case yeah but when whereas sherlock really relies on the relationship between him and watson exactly and that's exactly what this movie does really well because i really like the scenes between the two of them i know i don't know how many holmes and watson you know they did together I'm I'm sure it was quite a, quite about, a lot. They did about ten or fifteen, I think. Yeah. A DVD set. Which makes sense. I mean, 
they they're clearly a very good pairing. And, and I know they did those movies. Especially, yeah, you can crank those movies out like that. Again, reminds me of Hammer Studios. If we wanted to, I could come down to Manchester again, and we could film a Sherlock Holmes movie. In theory, we could do that. It would be very poor. Most likely. It will not be a good movie. Um, because, I don't know, it just wouldn't you could, be. You could get your mum to be Mrs. Hudson. Put her but, in a wig. <laughs> but, um, we could, we could do that. Let's not, though. Yeah. Let, let's not, let's leave it up to professionals... Um, who can make far better Sherlock Holmes movies um, like this one, for example. But yeah, I really like the scenes between um, Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. Um, I'm sure I'm sure they must have had some sort of real-life friendship because it is very, so. very natural, their chemistry. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I I don't get with with Peter Cushing Sherlock to be honest the level of chemistry with his Watson who I I even forget the name of his Watson in Hound of the Baskervilles uh, Peter Cushing's version so yeah that's that for me was uh, greatly improved on in I'll like this any one. version of uh, Sherlock Holmes as long as he has good chemistry with Watson. That's the key. I mean, yeah, and like you said before, that's the key of a good Sherlock story. It doesn't need to be an overly complex mystery, as Hound of the Baskervilles proves. Even when Sherlock, the show, was starting to get way more complex with its mysteries, that's kind of when it started to lose steam. Yeah. It's understandable, really. Once you start going over complex with with anything in terms of story, it it alienates people because they don't want to think that much. Like with mystery stories, I can't remember which writer said this, but they have to be complex enough to draw you in, but not so much that you feel like you can't solve it by yourself. You need to. Like a good a good mystery, I think should be like a good twist. Exactly. Kind of story. It's you should be able to see the breadcrumbs that lead up to it, not just get to the end of a story and then bam, there's your thing. Exactly, and Deal let's bring it. it back. Let's bring it back to Scooby Doo. <laughs> and Scooby Doo, Nolan's very ill, and let's bring it back to Scooby Doo, where Scooby Doo does that perfectly. So yay. Just the original to series does anyway. Exactly, that's what I'm talking about. It just sets the breadcrumbs, and you you know who the person is, or you have one of it's two people. It's always the rich white guy. You are, of course it is. Um, blame rich white men for everything. <laughs> literally, though, literally. Um, the worst. Yeah, but it's the same thing. They didn't need really complex mysteries. To draw people in. No, they had good chemistry within the characters there. And they let you try and solve the mystery yourself. Kind of what this one does as well. How would you say mystery ranks in terms of your favourite genres? I I like a mystery. I don't know. Because sometimes 
I'm I'm a strange movie watcher because I go through phases of enjoying certain types of movies. Like one one week I can be on like I'm gonna watch mythological movies. One week I can be like I'm gonna watch really weird gory horror movies. Like and then it's it's it varies really a lot. I, I enjoy mystery films. It's usually about a performance for me. If there's a great performance in there that I can attach myself to, I think of, you know, Humphrey Bogart in certain movies, mm-hmm. um, The Maltese Falcon, which we did on, on this. Um, and yeah, okay, everybody's kind of great in something like The Maltese Falcon. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But... Yeah, I think it needs it needs a performance for me. I think a mystery film is not so much about the mystery itself because and I've said this before, I I watch movies from kind of an uh, a, a, an art standpoint, a picture standpoint rather than from a story standpoint. So if something you know creates a a particular image in my head if a, a, sh- a shot does that or a performance can change and if a, if a whatever a performance does in a movie is more important to me than the actual journey of the movie if the performance you know is I don't I'm trying to explain something I really am explaining it very very badly. No, I get what you mean. You you go I think you'd be a fan more of visual storytelling than like actual like dialogue based storytelling. Yeah, no, like, yeah, you'd that's You go for something over like a Stanley Kubrick than opposed to like an Aaron Sorkin scripted I would. Drama. I would every day. Um Whereas I'm that the is what I'm the opposite. Dialogue is like yeah, my thing. Exactly. It's 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 very interesting, but yeah, I. So yeah, ultimately, if I can somehow get this train of thought completely back on the tracks from falling over into the river, um, mystery films do not need a good mystery for me. It needs to have a it, a mystery film has a mystery in it. Even anyway, even the Harry the, Potter books. They're core the, mysteries. The most basic mystery is still a mystery. It doesn't. You don't need complexity. You just need to know what you're telling, and know how to capture that. Whether it's on film or in a performance or with a musical score or whatever, you just need to know how to capture that, and I will be happy regardless of what the story is basically well i i'm pretty sure you have the the sherlock holmes stories i do i own a big volume of them i have not read them (laughs) they're a fun read i'm no i i i want to get into this this book because i do have like a big thick hardback complete um sherlock holmes thing that's a really nice sort of uh it's a really nice book, actually. So once I, I get I on should. a Sherlock binge, I can't stop. I watch every version of Sherlock Holmes I can find. 
perhaps this will be you then for the next uh, however long, for the rest of the holiday period. Instead of watching, um, m mind you, we're, we're, we're post-Christmas now. So maybe maybe nobody's watching holiday movies anymore. Hmm. I'll stick on young Sherlock Holmes. Do that. Do that. Uh, yeah. Highly underrated like movie, it. that. But uh, for... You mentioned, you mentioned like, you love visual storytelling. I'm t I get it, you must love those shots of the Hound. I do. They're my favourite things. My favourite things are, are the wide shots of the moor just looking creepy as hell and the Hound just going about the Hound stuff. A moor? Could that be similar to a swamp? You can set it in a swamp. Set it in a swamp. The oh. Hound doesn't want you in his swamp. The Shrek of the Baskerville. The Shrek of the Baskerville. The Shrek of the Baskervilles. Shrek Lock Holmes. Yes, you've figured it out. Shrek Lock Holmes. Put Shrek with a pipe and a hey, deer stalker. If you want to do a Shrek reboot, DreamWorks, do that. I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no to Shrek solving mysteries with Donkey. There I'm we about go, guys. it. We've solved the Shrek reboot of Craze. I'm about it. Oh yeah, I forgot Shrek was being rebooted. God damn it. God damn it. Why have you reminded me of that? Oh, life. Life and all its misery. So I'm curious what you think of the overall conclusion of this mystery, because most of this movie is really just the relationship between Holmes and Watson and some really cool shots of the Hound. But the conclusion, I've always been a little conflicted on, whereas like it's just a random convict it's not like a monster story where i was kind of when you hear about this story the hand of the baskervilles you expect to see like a sort of monster yeah thing. i i kind of agree with you on that i would be way more into it if it turned out that the hound was a spiritual dog of legend that would be so that would be impossibly cool to me Yes, okay, it goes for the realism. And no, it was just this dude. It was this dude over here. It was this guy. As much as to, I'd love to see To jail that, with it him. It wouldn't work with a Sherlock story? No, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Unless you but I just like, like a ghosts. Sherlock fantasy story. And who knows, someone might do that. I just like ghosts. That's my thing. So yeah, I think I, I, think I agree with you on that. That I would... Uh, I would like something like um, I would like a mystery like this, where there is a, a legendary spirit to actually be a legendary spirit. That's what that's what um, that's what some Scooby Doo stuff does really well, is when it's actually a thing. On the very rare occasion, it's actually real. It's nice. And after seeing. Um Rathbone, would you be curious to see any of his other ones? I would be uh, very curious to see many of Basil Rathbone's other ones. I think, I think, yeah, I thought, I thought he was absolutely great. I see why he's your favourite completely. I'm me just being a big Peter Cushing fan. It's not necessarily a big Peter Cushing as Sherlock Holmes fan. It's just a Peter Cushing fan. Um, 
but yeah, I would go and watch it. I would go and watch these. I want to see who Rathbone's Moriarty is. He's a pretty cool dude. Who was Cushing's Moriarty? Because like no Cushing idea. is pretty menacing. I've no idea. The only one I've watched of Cushing is Hound of the Baskerville. It's the only thing I know. I I think it'd be hard to find an actor who can out menace Peter Cushing. Maybe it was Lee. I don't know. Let me have a look. Because Christopher Lee played uh, Henry Baskerville in. Um, I'm sure it was a different actor. In their version, his Moriarty. Let me. Oh man! Imagine if Price was his Moriarty. Unless, unless Peter, if Vincent Price. No, I uh, I don't think he is. Um, unless Peter Cushing didn't even do many Sherlock Holmes. I don't even know. I'm making myself sound absolutely ridiculous. Um, because I, I just kind of don't know anything right now. Let's let's let me let's have a look. So. What do we have here? We have uh, where's Hound of the ba- Hound of the Baskervilles? Is there Hound of the Baskervilles? Isn't is from 1959 as well? So I got that wrong as well. God damn it! No, I think I think they just did. Did they just do Hound of the Baskervilles? They must have just done Hound of the Baskervilles. That can't be right. Maybe Cushing just didn't want to do that role. I don't know. I'm making myself sound like a complete amateur, but a yeah, fool. a fool. I often make myself sound like a fool. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Post Christmas has got to me. I've become insane, <laughs> and I've eaten way too much food, and I'm having too much of a good time to for for my brain to properly function. So I apologise to every listener who was just. Hating me for the last two minutes. He's been at the communion wine again. I have. That's precisely what I've been doing. I've been going down to the church and drinking it all. Just like the vicar that you are. Am I a vicar? I am a vicar, I suppose. I don't know. Vicar. (laughs) I will never forgive people when I got ordained as a wedding officiant if they asked me if I was a priest. I asked if you were a vicar. Yeah, but I mean, priest, vicar, minister, reverend, they're all the same title, really. I mean, they're not, but you know what I mean. They're all the same position. Um, And I've just offended a bunch of religious people. Nolan, please, just, like, wrap up this episode before I completely go insane. Well, I think overall with this uh, movie you have... Great chemistry by Sherlock and Watson. Basil Rathbone's a great Sherlock. It's got a really cool little eerie setting. And if you're a Sherlock Holmes fan, even if you're just a fan of the BBC series or the Robert Downey Jr. movies or, God forbid, you're looking forward to that one with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Yeah, which isn't that out like now as well? Yeah. As we are... Maybe not as we're recording this, but by the time it comes out probably by the time this episode comes out i think that's actually out someone described it to me as stepbrothers with sherlock holmes and i was like i I could i literally could not think of a worse combo i have seen the trailers before um the last couple of movies that i went to the cinema to see and it it just 
I mean, I don't like Will Ferrell anyway. I quite like John C. Riley. I don't have anything against John C. Riley. I just can't stand Will Ferrell at all in anything. So um, I'm sorry it, to our American listeners, but <laughs> I think Sherlock Holmes kind of needs to be played by a British dude. Of course it does. And, it, you know, obviously I get what they're going for. They're making they're fun just, of it. Yeah. Of course they are. They're going to be completely stupid. You're not going into this thinking, oh, it's going to be a legitimate Sherlock movie. It's not. It's going to be fun and funny and silly and stupid. And that's. And I'm sure it will be. And I'm sure loads and loads of people will love it. I just don't happen to like that style of comedy. So it's not one for me, but I'm sure it'll be wildly popular. In the meme category, maybe. Oh, certainly, I would expect, considering don't they end up taking a selfie with Queen Victoria or something like that? It's literally like that. Those words hurt me. Yeah, imagine what Queen Victoria would be thinking. Queen Victoria would behead them. No, she wouldn't. She was quite pleasant. She would not Um, be amused, though. She would not. Oh, no. She would not be amused. That's a great note to finish on that, Nolan, you know, I think. Indeed. I think we've said all we needed to say about Sherlock. It's been a nice little discussion on Sherlock Holmes, to be honest, this. More of a kind of general Sherlock Holmes discussion than this actual film, but I think it went nicely. To be honest, you can never really pinpoint, like, a particular episode or a film of Sherlock when talking about it. You just talk about the characters. Yeah, and that's ultimately what it's all about. It's not about the mystery. It's about Sherlock and Watson themselves. Guys, thank you for listening to another episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast. If this is your first time listening to It's a Wonderful Podcast, I do hope I haven't put you off of listening to more episodes. Um, You've made me feel slightly better. (laughs) My My voice is clearing up a bit. Nolan's voice is clearing up. It's all all gone very well. Um, Episode 36, this has been... Uh, focusing on The Hound of the Baskervilles from 1939 with Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. Nolan, plug any stuff you need to plug or do anything. You are doing fun stuff, fun stuff, do things, fun stuff. Well, um, I don't really have anything to plug now, but I guess I can tell you a bit about my sort of take on a detective story. You can because you wanted to do that anyway and I forgot. <laughs> Well, um, I don't. I think I was writing this around the time we met. Remember Tommy Taylor? I do remember that. Yeah. Yes, that took a back seat for Moonflower. Yeah, I've still got that character in the back of my mind, and he goes to the same school as the main kid in Moonflower, so it's all in the same universe. Oh, you're creating a universe. But I'm doing it I in like the Stephen it. King way, not the Marvel way. Fair enough. Both are successful. Mm-hmm. But, uh, nah, Tommy Taylor was like my take on the detective, but instead of um, making the detective the quirky one, I decided to make the partner the quirky one. Okay. Did you ever watch a show called Fillmore when you grew up? Oh, I've I've heard of that. I don't think I ever watched it. I've definitely heard that name, though. That was an animated series, like, back in the early 2000s, which yeah. was basically a riff on 70s cop shows. But it's set okay. inside a middle school, and they take all the crimes so seriously. Okay. This is stuff like someone stole the school answers to a quiz. 
Yeah. And they okay. treat it so seriously, and it's hilarious. Okay, and that's kind of the vibe of uh, Tommy Taylor. Do we call him Thomas? Nah, he prefers Tommy. Do we call him Tom? Nah. But Do we call him, him T-Dog? Him, him and no. his partner, who I called, which is this... I don't know how big you are into mystery characters, but her name's Monica Jupiter. And if you can figure out what that's a parody of, all the more power to you. Monica Jupiter. Which detective has a planet as her surname? That's your clue. A pl- Oh god. Ah, okay. I get you. Mm-hmm. I know. I know what. I know exactly who you're talking about. I'm not gonna say it. I'll let the listeners try and figure it out for themselves, although they probably got it far quicker than I got it. <laughs> but uh, my, my idea was basically like, okay, if you're going to do a mystery story, because they've all been done in so many ways, you got to make it unique. So what if you make the partnership the focus of it and have the partner, in this case Monica, get framed for something she didn't do? Ooh. Tommy has to figure out who solved the crime and save her, and then that's how... They become detective partners. I like never it. Been, I've never seen it been done like that. I like it. I'm about it. Nolan, your creative mind never fails to impress. Um, your choices for picks for this show um, are sometimes good. <laughs> and <laughs> no, you know what's hilarious about the whole Tommy Taylor thing? What? That takes place in the same universe where a little girl wished for her favorite character to come alive. Yeah, that's what my it mind did. is like. Your mind, your mind, your mind should be something that never uh, dies. Because, hopefully not. Um, hopefully, I will be immortal. But if you pray for immortality, you turn into Voldemort, and no mm. one wants that. Nah, no one really wants that. Yikes. No, no one wants that at all. Ray Fiennes though would probably be a good Moriarty. Now that I think about it, isn't Ray Fiennes Moriarty in Holmes and Watson? Is he? I think he might I be. Hope I am. I'm going to look I this up, and I really hope you're wrong. I legitimately think he might be. Oh no! Oh no! No, a... no! 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 I. Oh, son of a bitch. He is, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. What an incredible way to wrap up this conversation on Sherlock Holmes. Do yourself a this... favor. Go watch this Hand of the Baskervilles movie and maybe watch Young Sherlock Holmes as well. It's really fun. Yeah. Just do that. Guys, thank you for listening to a very sort of we have colds and are quite ill episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast, episode 36 on the How Do the Baskervilles 1939. Follow the podcast on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Hashtag the same to see, um, yeah, all, all to talk to us about whatever we're, we're talking about or whatever movie we're discussing. Um, tell us if you enjoyed the show. Tell us if you didn't enjoy the show. Tell us what, what you would like to see. And just, yeah, follow on the Twitters for all the latest uh, goings on. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, CastBox, other places as well, where you may find all your audio podcasts and leave 
that nice five-star rating review. If you're feeling generous post-Christmas time, um, which I hope you are. And yeah, if you do that, we will um, we will read out your nice special review on the show. And it will be very nice and very loving. And we love to, we, you know, we, we love to appreciate people and we love being appreciated. And if this makes any sense. I am slightly going insane in this episode. I do realise that I kind of need Nolan to stop me soon, but not before I tell you all to follow me on Twitter, if you would, at the Purple Dom, with a three instead of the E in the, because three is the magic number. Nolan, save me. Follow me at NolanDean27 on Twitter, and I'll do everything else Morgan told you. I think that's it for today, guys. It is, Nolan. It, well, f- first of all, bye from me, guys. I hope you do tune in to more episodes after this hellhole of my performance that today has been. It was the same for me. It's this damn cold. Nolan, see us out. Elementary, my dear Robinson. Bye.